0: We have focused throughout this year on sounding forth the word, and uh, I've tried not to make it just a steady stream of all evangelism sermons all the time, but we have dealt with a lot of different issues throughout the year that have to do with evangelism, and we're going to finish out the year focusing on that. And at the beginning of the year, some of you may remember, we sent out a survey. We, we gave you guys a survey about evangelism. And we asked all kinds of different questions to help inform how can we equip this church better for evangelism. And this question that we asked about what hinders you the most in your evangelism had not a unanimous answer, but an overwhelming answer. And the survey says <laughs> the issue is fear. The issue is fear. Fear can, can really slow us down in evangelism. And so we want to talk about this, this issue and this idea of fear. I can, I can relate. I, I remember... Just thinking about this time, I don't know, years ago when I was reading a book on evangelism at a restaurant sitting there eating by myself and the server came over and I put down the book and after the server left, I realized that I had put the book face down and I thought, First of all, what an ironic thing for me to be studying about evangelism and to do that. But then I thought, what, what is going on? What is going on? I would, I would do that whenever I am. I'm trying to figure out how can I engage the world. Here would be an opportunity perhaps to engage. And yet, I don't know what it was. I don't know. You know, did I, did I just want to be off duty and not have to, have to? be ready on guard, you know, as, as, a, as a Christian to engage with questions. Did I, w- was I afraid that, that this person or other people who walk by might ask me questions, might think a particular, that I was being judgmental or think something, think I'm better than that. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know. But it was a, an alarm bell. Wait a minute, man. You can be as ready as you want to be to give answers, but your heart has to be open and desiring to share the gospel without fear. And there's a passage that we sometimes look at, the passage that Sam read so well for us here a few moments ago, that we usually focus in here in 1 Peter 3:13 to 17 on this idea of preparing to make a defense. To anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's within you. It's a really important idea. This is is a directive not to an elite class of evangelists. Not to some group that's super great at this. This is a directive to all Christians to be ready to give an answer. And to give an answer for a particular reason. To give an answer in a particular way and to always be ready. But as we look at this passage, it's important not to miss the thrust of what he's talking about. He says, have no fear of them. In fact, that's the focus of this passage. Have no fear of them. And a lot of times we focus in on this word defense, which is an important word. Um, apologia, the root of our word apologetics, or making a defense, giving an answer for the, the hope that's within us, Ex- giving an explanation to people, a reasonable explanation for why we are different, for why we have hope in the midst of all of this, why we're willing to suffer in a different way, why we believe, why we trust in Christ and see the whole world so differently. But there's another word that I started keying in on and noticing as I thought about the thrust of this passage. And that's the word, if. All over this passage. If you are zealous for what is good, who can harm you? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you'll be blessed. At the end, he talks about it's better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than than for doing evil. And then there's this implied if in that sentence we looked at earlier. Be prepared to make a defense to anyone if they ask you about the hope within you. It's all if. If describes all the conditions of things that we don't know exactly what's going to happen. If this happens, then that and so it's not certain. It's not certain what will come. And we want to be open Christians with bold, hopeful, ready, respectful answers as this talks about. But this if, it can be a scary word because it speaks to our uncertainty. Maybe we'll suffer. Maybe we won't. Maybe they'll ask. Maybe we handle it right. We can get paralyzed by all the ifs and the what ifs, right? What if what if I'm zealous for good and I still suffer? That's Peter says that could happen. What if I lose my job? What if people mock me? Or worse yet, what if I'm zealous for good and I talk to them about Christ and then I'm not doing what I should? And they see me stumble. What if I fall? I don't want to embarrass Christ. What if I speak openly about my faith and live a life of holiness and love? But no one ever asked me about the reason for my hope. And I never see the opportunity. Or, more scary for some of us, what if they do ask me? And I, I'm not ready. I don't know the answer. What if I freeze up? What if they think that I think that I'm... <laughs> what if they think that I think that I'm better than them? So yeah, you just, like, start spinning. And we can fear... You know, it's, it's painful to be misunderstood. And we can, we can start to think about you know, people not seeing us clearly anymore because all they see is this caricature that they've created. If, 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 it all seems iffy. Iffy. Iffy is a real word. It's in the dictionary. It's a four-letter word meaning full of uncertainty or doubtful. You know what iffy is. Iffy is whenever this afternoon you... Get out your bread and you say, uh, "Honey, I want to make a leftover sandwich. Do you think this turkey's still good?" And she says, "I don't know. Might be a bit iffy. <laughs> iffy. I'm not sure. It's uncertain. It could be dangerous. It could be a problem. Iffy. Iffy." It refers to our fears and evangelism doesn't allow us to control all of the variables. We just don't know what someone is going to say, what they're going to ask, what's going to happen next. And that's hard. And Peter is writing, Peter is writing to a threatened people. You don't write words like these. And the whole book is about this. You don't write words like this unless you're writing to people who are wrestling with fear, wrestling with difficulty. And his aim isn't just to give them comfort. His aim is to give them courage. Fear drives us to hide. Comfort tells us we're safe. But encouragement draws us face to face with our fear and says, you deal with this and you can be bold. You can be strong. You can be hopeful and clear and open. Forget your timidity and be confident, carrying Christ with you and the gospel with you wherever you go. I don't know if you've ever felt panic about, you know, when someone's about to ask you a question or they, they get a, you know, what if I or panic whenever you're, or a little fearful whenever maybe. You're about to ask them a spiritual question or ask them, hey, would you, would you like to come to this Bible study or would you like to have a personal Bible study with me? Boy, I remember the first times of doing that early on and just like, you know how whenever you start getting nervous, your words come out really fast? <laughs> I would have those kinds of things, you know. Hey, would you like to study the Bible with me? I think it would be really great. What did you just say? <laughs> you know, and you try to back it up and slow it down. <sighs> maybe you're on Facebook or some social media thing and you're trying to decide how to engage with all the, the stuff, maybe even hate that you see toward Christians, hostility. Or maybe you're not seeing that, but you fear it might be there. So here's a question we need to consider. Can intimidated Christians save a hostile world? Can God use us to bless the world with the saving truth of the gospel if we're so timid that we're having a hard time even getting the saving words out, deciding To ask the questions, deciding to fully give a a full throated, full bodied answer to the questions that the world brings. So, are you ready? We need to be thinking through our faith, and we need to decide to be open. And we need to trust in Christ that he is Lord. So we're going to look at this passage that we started with. And a lot of times, again, we focus on this idea of thinking through our faith. And that's not really going to be the the focus of this lesson. I put out on the back on the back uh, credenza as you walk out into the foyer, I put different answers to some questions. There's a A series of answers that I put together through the years and I've put them out there before a few years ago just one sheets on questions like how did we get the Bible or why do we believe that Jesus rose from the dead or does it really matter what I do? do I really, does, does God really care about us following and obeying exactly and only what he said? And why is baptism such a big deal? And what about homosexuality? This is a question that comes up more and more. And all of these things that come up, and, and this is a, a collection that I've over the years grown, and I want to continue to grow if you have suggestions on what would be good to put out there. Uh, I'd love to hear those. So those are back there, and you can think through. And I've tried the idea of those is just to boil it down, not to give a, ta- a giant book on it, but a one sheet that starts to give an answer that you can think through and try to process these answers for yourself and think through why do I believe? Well, here's here's an answer that that Ryan is offering. You know that that we have thought through together, but. Um, But in addition to preparing our minds, we need to focus on our heart and prepare our heart, trusting in Christ that he is Lord so that we can be open. So Peter, if you were paying attention there, in 1 Peter 3, verse 14, Peter says, don't fear. And then in the end of verse 15, he says, make your case. Make your case for Christ. Make your case for why you have hope in the midst of all of this. But if these are the slices of bread in a really good turkey sandwich, right between them is the heart of the thing. Right between these two, he says, honor Christ. It's an interesting thing to slap in there that leads to, from don't fear, to make your case. Whatever honor Christ here means, it is the bridge between these two ideas. It is the power that can get rid of our fear, help us deal with our fear, overcome it, and that can give us access and boldness and strength and clarity to make our case. This is the critical piece honoring Christ. And to understand this, what he means here when he says to honor Christ as Lord, we're going to need to go back and look at the verse, the passage, that Peter is quoting. Peter is quoting Isaiah. And so it's in Isaiah chapter 8, verses 12 and 13, where... The Lord says, through Isaiah, to King Ahaz, do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. Okay, now what's going on in this situation here? King Ahaz of Judah is under imminent threat from the biggest, baddest, scariest nation in the world, Assyria. And, uh, and they are, they're coming for him. And so the Lord says, I know, I know it's scary. I know that they're more powerful than you. I know what you have heard about what they do to enemy kings who don't yield to them. And it's awful. It's Terrifying, awful to talk about, to think about. They are bad guys. (laughs) They are are, uh, just uh, barbaric in their warfare tactics. I know what you're thinking and that danger. But the Lord says, instead, don't fear them. Fear me. Trust in me. You know what he did? He made an alliance with Assyria. And that was the wrong choice. Instead of trusting the Lord, instead of fearing the Lord, who would have delivered him, he not only made an alliance with him, he went out of his way to please the Assyrian king. He came back from visiting and he started to change the temple and the altar and the worship to please the king and to be more like a syrian worship see he had misplaced what he should fear do not fear what they fear right before this he says do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy don't be paranoid don't be afraid don't think everybody's out to get you You can just trust me instead of getting all wrapped up in that spiral and fear me. The Lord of hosts, that is the Lord of the army, Yahweh, the King and Lord of the armies of heaven. Him you shall honor as holy. And that's what Peter says. Only he changes it. He changes he changes the word here for the Lord of hosts to Christ. You know why? Because Christ is the Lord of hosts. He is Yahweh. He is the one who is over everything. He is the commander of the Lord's army. He is the king of kings. He is the one who has all authority over everything. Pause to decide if you believe that. And what that would mean for everything. This is this was not a theory for King Ahaz. Assyria is a real empire bearing down on him and he's got to make a choice. Well, this is not theory for us either. We have to decide how we will deal with things. And the way we deal with it will come from our decision about how we see Jesus Christ. Submit your heart to Christ's authority. That's what he's saying when he says sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Set him apart as the one who rules on the throne of your life, of your heart, of all of your inner life that d- that decides and drives all of your outer life. Every relationship, everything comes from Jesus is Lord. And that means not just something I say, not just something I believe, But the way I live changes because it's under obedience to the one that I'm devoted to as my king. And it is completely trusting him that he is able to see me through whatever else there is. Why would I be afraid of that out there whenever Jesus is king over everything? If the Lord is with us, who can be against us? So he's saying, dread Christ's displeasure more than what people think. Right? Him shall you fear. Him shall you give all of your odd reverence and your recognition of the power of the judgment of the strength of the holiness of Christ. And the terror that those who oppose him should feel rightly. The other day, Michael brought up uh, to me his favorite, or maybe it was in Bible class. <laughs> One, I think we both share our f- a favorite quote from the Narnia Chronicles, right? Narnia Chronicles are about this king uh, that's a, a giant lion. It's a, an allegory in some ways, of the Gospels by C.S. Lewis, but it's a story about these kids, and these kids start hearing about Aslan, this this lion that represents Jesus in the story. And, And the kid asks, Aslan, a lion? Well, is he good? Yes, he's good. Well, is he safe? Oh, no. He's good, but he is not safe. He is fierce. He is mighty. We rightly tremble before him in awe of his awesomeness, of his his power and the thing that sets him apart from everything else. And as we put ourselves in trust and confidence in him, then we let his promises fill us with hope. How many times does Jesus say, do not fear, take courage, take heart? How many times does God tell us we can count on him? We can count on him in the face of all that we would fear. I will not leave you nor forsake you, he says in Hebrews 13. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord, he says in Romans eight twenty eight. He is with us, and he will bless us. So Peter says, going back here in verses 13 to 14, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. See, he's quoting Isaiah here. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. And then this continues. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Honor him Jesus Christ as holy, and then, he says, always being prepared to make a defense. Do you see how that gives us a posture of our heart that allows us to rightly, openly, hopefully, and boldly, no matter what it's going to cost, speak the reason for our faith. to Everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Peter believes that Christians who are living the kind of life he's described in his letter, the kind of life that they know they should lead, he's talked about living in holiness, living as priests of God, living not reviling those who revile us, dealing with suffering in a different way, dealing with authorities in a different way, whether it's government authorities or masters over servants, you know, all these different relationships. He believes that when you live as a Christian, people are going to see it, and they're going to see hope. They're going to see there's something different about how you live, how you encounter all of this. You seem hopeful, and your hope is changing the way you live. And they're going to ask you about it. What's the deal with that? (laughs) Why are you so hopeful? Why are you different? What is the story? He also says, and we'll note this in a minute... Yet do it with gentleness and respect. There's a particular way a Christian does this. He goes on to say, having a good conscience, we do it in a way that is right, that we can be clean and pure in our hearts and our conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame because you didn't do anything wrong, so they are going to have to deal with the fact That they're not rightly blaming you. Honoring Christ turns our fear to hope. So then we have to tune our answer. What we see here is a picture of Christians that are open and ready. Open, as in acknowledging Christ. Matthew 10, 34 to 35. Those who confess me, who acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father. Those who are ashamed of me, those who deny me, those who aren't going to speak openly about me before men, I am not going to acknowledge before my Father. My mom's favorite song is this song. I don't know if it's in our... I think it's maybe in our spiritual songs book. It says... Um, Ashamed of thee, talking about being ashamed of Christ, um, may it never be, and then it says, but oh, may this my glory be, that Christ is not ashamed of me. If anybody should be ashamed of anybody, it's not us ashamed of Christ, the perfect one who loved us and spent himself to win us, and yet Christ will acknowledge us before his father. And so we need to be ready to just just live openly as a Christian. This is who I am. It's not a secret. And this is why I believe in Jesus. This is why I follow the scriptures. This is why I see a different turn at the end of history. And so we stay ready because of that. We stay ready to explain it to anybody. But he says to be respectful, with reverence, the particular kind of attitude that befits a godly person, and gentle. Gentle is a kind of, of um, strength under control. We're not wild. We're not trying to beat people up with this. That's not going to win them. That's our whole goal. goal, is not to defend ourselves, but to make a defense of the gospel that can win them to Christ to be hopeful and reasonable. Reasonable. See, so he says to give a reason. Faith is not opposed to reason. Hope is not opposed to reason. As P- Thomas Schreiner says in his commentary here, Peter assumed that believers must have solid intellectual grounds for believing the gospel. The truth of the gospel is a public truth that can be defended in the public arena. This does not mean, of course, that every Christian is to be a highly skilled apologist for the faith. It does mean that every believer should grasp the essentials of the faith and should have the ability to explain to others why they think the Christian faith is true. There's two, diff- two words that can get us into trouble if we take them the wrong way. First of all, the word ready can leave people thinking that they need to be perfectly prepped for every answer. And boy, that can send you into a kind of panic, trying to be perfectly prepped. It's interesting, Jesus, whenever he was giving his directives to, uh, to the disciples in Matthew 10 and in, in the various accounts of sending them out, said the opposite of being ready. They don't contradict each other, and, and the apostles were in a different situation than us. But he said, don't prepare your answer. You'll have that in the moment, whenever you're making a defense. Now, the apostles were inspired. The apostles... Had a different kind of gift than us. But there is still something that we need to get, I think, from this passage, which is that we are going to put our confidence in a power beyond ourselves. (laughs) We have the same gospel as the apostles did. And that gospel is powerful. You don't have to know everything. I mean, be as ready as you can be, and it's a lifelong journey. But you don't have to be to know the answer to every question to be ready to explain the reason for the hope that is in you. There is a faith element to that. Do you see what I'm saying? And secondly, this idea of whoops, this idea of defense can can make us think that we're defensive. You know, like it's this posture of of oh, everybody's coming at me now, I need to be ready to swing back with all my force and get all tight and worried and, you know, the idea of making a defense is about giving the answers, giving explanation, giving the information that people need. The idea isn't that we need to um, that we need to go fight everybody. You know? there is a particular kind. Of warfare that happens through the gospel. Absolutely. We're tearing down strongholds, as 2 Corinthians 10 says, for Jesus Christ. But it is done through the power of the sword of the Spirit, as we can speak with reverence, respect, and gentleness, and get these things crossed. When we have this idea of like defensiveness and fear, we're afraid. And guess who else is afraid? Often, people that we're evangelizing to are just as scared. You know, I've quoted Rebecca Tipper before who said, Christians and non-Christians have something in common. They're both uptight about evangelism. (laughs) We might think they're hostile, so now we're defensive. Or they think we're hostile, and so they're defensive. And so fear defines the whole interaction. And it becomes a war of words and not the kind that we want to have. But whenever honoring Christ is the heart of what we're doing, then what they see is somebody different and hopeful. And they become curious. This is what Peter is describing. And so they ask, and we can explain. If we honor Christ, we'll live openly for him, speak openly for him, and let him handle the rest. So honoring Christ turns our fear to hope. It turns hostility to curiosity in their part and defensiveness to gentleness. Again, here's here's where here's where we end up. This is the challenge to each of us to think through our faith. This is an ongoing journey to constantly think through what do we believe? What does God want us to believe? And why should we believe those things? And then decide to be open, trusting in Christ. He is Lord, the end of this passage takes us at the end of this chapter takes us to a, a different place, and we'll offer this as a way of invitation. You remember that movie, of course, many of you—the Indiana Jones movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, Peter tells us about a different kind of lost ark, an ark for the lost. An ark for the lost to find safety in. And he says at the end of the chapter, he talks about, in in chapter 3, verse 20 of 1 Peter, uh, this ark in the days of Noah. um, And a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. This place where they could be safe. And then he says, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers, having been subjected to him. Baptism now saves you. Baptism, not, not the water that takes the, takes the dirt off, but... It is in that act, through our faith and our repentance, how we call on the Lord, appeal to him for a good conscience, for him to purify us and make us right and holy. Whenever we come out of that water, we are a new person and we are in the ark of safety where all the lost are found.